Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Flip Flops podcast. I'm Angelique Gay, a mom and a writer who recently went through a major life transition. Each week, I invite other creatives and changemakers on to talk about their own life transitions, a time when they felt completely untethered and lost, which, as it turns out, is completely normal and can even be life-affirming. Today, I'm so excited to be chatting with celebrity chef, author, cooking show host, and energizer bunny, Katie Chin. I met Katie through producer Jyoti Sarda, who I interviewed on a past episode, so you can listen to that. Katie left her career as a marketing executive in Hollywood and her husband at the same time and pivoted to write cookbooks and cater events with her very impressive mother. That led to their very own PBS cooking series filmed in Hawaii. Hello, dream life. Very sadly, her mother passed, but Katie kept going. She continued to write her blog and her cookbooks and eventually started her own catering business called Walkstar Catering. She has cooked for celebrities like Cyndi Lauper, designer Anna Sui, actress Sandra Oh, designer Nate Berkus, and she's even cooked at a little place called The White House for a family you may have heard of called The Obamas. She has been a judge on Iron Chef. She has written five cookbooks, including her latest, Katie Chin's Global Family Cookbook, that just came out June 22nd. It is a celebration of inclusion and diversity through food. Today, we talk about how her mother got Sean Connery's attention, why Katie keeps challenging herself to do new things that scare her, and how during this pandemic, she pivoted her catering business to an online cooking show with her daughter on a whim and how it changed her career. You will be so inspired by her attitude, her energy, and her shameless but very effective skill to self-promote. Here she is, Katie Chin. So Thank should we so start much. with your mom and 007? Sure, absolutely. <laughs> yes, yes. So my mother was an extraordinary woman. She immigrated from China in 1956 from Hong Kong, where she had been matchmade to my father. They immigrated to Minnesota, of all places, where there were very few Asians, and it was freezing cold. And the climate in Hong Kong and Guangzhou, where she's from, is very balmy and tropical. So it would be like moving from Miami to Minneapolis. Canada. Yes, yes, you're in Canada. <laughs> and she didn't speak a word of English, but it was so cold, like freezing cold. So she adapted. She had always loved to cook. In fact, when she was growing up in China, she would always follow around the family cook, even though her mother said, don't you? that that's a job for the servants but my mother did it anyway and she snuck into the kitchen and then once they got to Minnesota she couldn't even find fresh ginger so she had to improvise and she did the best she could she grew bok choy in our family garden and um, one day she decided for a luncheon for some of her sewing clients she was a seamstress making just 50 cents an hour and these women were blown away by her cooking because they had never had authentic Chinese cuisine before back in the day it was only chop suey and chow mein so they encouraged her to start teaching classes and to cater. So she started doing that little by little, but she didn't even have a car, okay? She had to take the bus and oftentimes had to like transfer with her groceries in the middle of winter, Minnesota. So, so crazy. And she was just completely resilient. She just kept working hard 
hard and she, you know, got a name for herself as a caterer. And then she met a socialite who wanted to open a restaurant. So I don't know if you remember the film Ordinary People with Mary Tyler Moore directed yes. by Robert Redford. Yes. So good. So good. He was in Minneapolis directing the film and then he invited Sean Connery to come visit him. But also this socialite friend, Carl Polad, the owner of the Minnesota Twins at the time, also was friends with Sean Connery by total coincidence. So everybody ended up at this party that my mother was catering and I actually got to serve Robert Redford and Sean Connery and I just remember my knees were buckling because I was just a little girl. How old were you? I don't know like six or seven. But did you know who they were? Did you understand? Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. So anyway, I was like, I was so nervous. And then John Connery ended up investing in my mother's first restaurant along with his socialite. And obviously, when word got out that Sean Connery had invested in my mother's restaurant, oh my goodness, like lines are on the block. Plus, she had really gotten a name for herself as a caterer. And it was truly an elegant restaurant. People went crazy for it. And she opened more and more restaurants to the point where by the mid-80s, she had over 30 restaurants and she ended up selling her restaurant chain to General Mills and they made her president of the division. Now, meanwhile, you know, just bear in mind, not only was she making 50 cents an hour as a seamstress prior to becoming a caterer, but she never even went to high school. And so they uh, opened more and more restaurants. They were going to take the chain national. She ended up buying it back and she went on to create this chain with over 50 locations, which still exists. It's owned by an entrepreneur, but my mother never met him. So truly a remarkable story. Wow. What did she pass down to you in terms of running a business? We grew up working in our tiny catering basement in Minnesota. You know, it was just like the Chinese thing to do. You're just expected to to do that. So I was gritting my teeth, frying chicken pieces while all the other kids were at the mall or ice skating. Really not happy having to do that. So I was like, I am never working in the food industry and I'm getting the hell out of Minnesota. It's freezing <laughs> cold. So I ended up uh, going to school in Boston. I moved to LA. I worked in the entertainment industry for about 14 years doing uh, marketing and promotions for film and TV. And one day I had completely forgotten how to cook. So I kept calling my mom on the phone, asking her questions because I wanted to throw this dinner party when I was at Fox. And she was just like, this is ridiculous. So she got on a plane with frozen lemon chicken. She showed up on my doorstep. She cooked the entire meal and she let everyone think I had cooked it because she was just that kind of mom. And meanwhile, she opened my fridge and found only champagne and yogurt and was completely mortified. So she set out how to teach me how to cook again with my friends. And they were like, Oh, my gosh, you guys make this look so easy. You should do a book together. And so I was like, you know what, we should do book together. And this would be such a great opportunity to really get to know my mom. Because all those years, she never had time to talk to me. Plus, a lot of Chinese parents do not burden their children with any past hardships. It's just like, don't complain. Don't look back. Just move forward and be productive and become a lawyer or doctor. So that's kind of the messaging we learned. And so I was like, you know, we should do a book together. I found an agent and I just decided really just on a lark to quit my job and leave my then husband all in the same month. That's crazy. Because I was like, what have I got to lose? You know, life is short. I just saw this quote in O Magazine that said, leap and the net will appear. And I didn't have kids at the time, which makes a difference. Like I had... Mm -hmm 
I had the luxury to do this. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. anyway, everything uh, from that point on was just a huge roller coaster. And she became my boss, which she was the toughest boss I'd ever had, even (laughs) working at all those studios, right? Like she was super tough. Growing up, she really just taught me about cooking and that type of thing. But later in life, much later, you know, we came together in my 30s. That's when she really gave me some incredible lessons about resilience Um, Mm -hmm. just asking for help. That's also so key as a woman, especially learning to ask for help from other women in particular, if you need advice. Although my mother was pretty um, independent, but at the same time, I realized much later in life in my work as the Southwest Regional Ambassador for Women's Entrepreneurship Day, all those women that were her sewing clients are the ones that really encouraged her, even helped with financing introduced her to incredible people that helped her career. But more than anything, I want to say she just never complained. Like she just like didn't waste any time or energy complaining. She just did what needed to get done. And also she rarely had a negative thing to say about anyone. And I think those are really important lessons I try to instill in my kids and my daughter, especially. Yeah. And you seem like someone who embodies that. I looked through your Instagram account and I got tired just looking at it. You were just nonstop, go, 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 networking, pivoting your career. Did you get all of that from your mother? I mean, she definitely was very energetic. I'm just a lot more social. I mean, my, my mother was social, but I just get bored easily, I guess. It's not a boring <laughs> life. I'll say that. I don't know. Did you happen to see the stories from this past weekend? Oh my God. From with Jyoti and Michelle Wolf. We have a game night with a lot of women. I wanted and- to ask you about your game night. So tell me why you got that started and how it helps you build your tribe and how it kind of took off. You know, the whole thing just happened so organically. At the start of the pandemic, a friend of mine, Amy Stanton, who should be on your show too, by the way, um, she wrote a book called The Feminine Revolution. And we met through my work with Women's Entrepreneurship Day and we just became friends. And I was like, hey, do you want to start virtual game night? And she was like, yeah, let's do it. But there was only like four of us in the beginning. Okay. And we were playing Taboo. And then it started to grow. And then it kind of morphed and shifted. And then all of a sudden, it grew to this community of about 30 women who are Stop all it. This is phenomenal. So cool. and it seems like more fun than a book club. <laughs> oh my God, it is. It is. And then like the guilt that comes with like, I didn't write, read the book. Exactly. <laughs> I didn't finish the reading pre- it. The and, then, and then like getting ready for it and everything. The truth and of the wine matter. and putting your thoughts together don't always go together. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But everyone has it in common. So, <laughs> uh, but you know what? I think it's like... It, excuse to get together. And I think that's what this became. And the truth of the matter is uh, just a very small handful of people actually play the game, but the rest of the (laughs) it's basically become this community forum of these badass women. We joke around with each other. We share hilarious memes. There's lots of political commentary. It's advice, support. I think it's very important. I feel responsibility with a game night because it's become this thing to just be a cheerleader for everybody on the mm. chat. So I see things going on on LinkedIn or Instagram or, you know, I, and I just share it 
And it was funny because Amy had gone to a conference and one of the topics was everybody needs to have cheerleaders, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone needs a cheerleading crew, whether you're launching a new book or a new podcast or business or whatever. And this sort of just happened organically. So I just, I was the one that started doing that because I just thought it was important. Like everyone feels adrift at sea. You know, they felt that way during the pandemic, like in a canoe with one oar. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. We're my people. And so I was like, everybody go to Jyoti's talk. Everybody sign up right now. Everybody join, you know, Michelle's Empower Her Network. Do it right now. You know, we were, and then everybody else started doing that for each other. That's it amazing. It's a beautiful thing. And so we finally got together this past Saturday night in person. And a lot of people hadn't actually met each other. Wow. Because, you know, Kate to the group through different people. And we danced for five. I, we hired a DJ. We danced for five hours straight. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So it really came out of like, let's just have some fun. But we have all gone on each other's platforms, signed up for each other's networking organizations. And so I think that when this kind of group comes together so authentically and naturally and organically like that is just the best and I feel like there's just going to be exponential results because of it that'll just keep going and friendships and it's just going to keep building and growing so I guess I just my mother did teach me that though how to value and honor true friendship and not to expect anything that's the thing like nobody went into this expecting anything and I think because of that it has been you know just truly honest and authentic business building for all of us. That's amazing. I want to talk about what you were saying where we all felt adrift at sea. I want to know how you dealt with those feelings. I know that you moved to your, I believe you have a cottage in the mountains. You and your family just moved up there for eight months. And then you started these online cooking classes with your daughter. And then tell us how that turned into a brand new career for you. Well, yes, we just decided to pick up and leave, you know, in March, 2020. And I get bored easily, like I said. So I obviously couldn't cater. And I had already turned in my new book, Manuscript. So I was just sitting there like twiddling my thumbs. And I just looked at my daughter and I said, hey, do you want to do an online cooking show? And she was like, okay. She was 12 at the time. So, so no, thanks. So I just thought it would be a fun thing to do. Again, not expecting anything from it, but a good way for us to have fun together in the kitchen and get to know each other better because she's so busy. I've always been so busy. And then we were doing it three times a week, but we realized people really love being in our kitchen with us. And people loved our dynamic and energy, mainly because she completely corrects me <laughs> during the show. <laughs> my husband was like, oh my God, it's so funny because when you and your mom had your show together, your mother would correct you. And now Becca's correcting you. Like it's like <laughs> mirroring each other. But I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on here? But I think people really love the authenticity of our relationship. Becca has no filter. Like she just says whatever <laughs> she's going to say. You know what I mean? But I've also loved how she's evolved from being kind of shy on camera. And now it's like second nature. And she takes control. You know, I'll be like, okay, Becca, dive in and tell everybody how to make the gochujang sauce. And she'll be like, okay. And then people, they, I mean, they love her. They're like, we want more Becca. So basically two hashtags have come out of it. One is hashtag Becca rocks. And one is hashtag the nibbler. Because she keeps like eating food during the show, not realizing it. She keeps sneaking bites of things. And this complete stranger was like, it's the nibbler. It's the nibbler. So now people keep putting that in the chat because we give away a lot of prizes. You know, if people comment and we actually created a line of uh, shirts that say Becca rocks or the nibbler. But we've gotten great media reaction. We went on a bunch of shows together. And I think it's just, listen, again, just 
if you have the urge to try something new and it sounds crazy, who cares? Like, what's the worst that could happen? You know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, who cares? Like, if nobody watches us, does it really matter? <laughs> <laughs> not and, if you're um, having fun yeah so well I share my Facebook live streams to many many groups like over 100 groups because you know I had a marketing and promotions career so I'm like a shameless self-promoter I'm not afraid to admit it I love but, that I love that when I heard that you posted 150 times because so many of these sites say please don't promote please don't promote and so I've always listened to that and then I heard you say oh no I promote myself all the time constantly I was so inspired by that well listen I say and sometimes you know I do get the notification that says like denied or like please stop doing this <laughs> you know what I mean I'm like sorry but you know what that's like a handful out of up to like 150 so what ended up happening is this company that does a lot of virtual cooking classes they were a catering company but they had to pivot and so they found us because I had posted on a Chinese food site and we had a conversation and now I teach for them constantly to corporate do a lot of classes every week how do you do that? Oh, you know, it's interesting, but I have like a whole <laughs> studio set up in my kitchen. So okay. it's like constantly, it's like ready to go. You know, I've got Amazing. the ring lights and the tripods and everything, but they're only, they're only about an hour at a time. So I teach okay. for corporations all over the world through this company. So that was really, listen, you know, what great kismet again, not expecting anything out of it, but what a great silver lining that happened. So but don't you think when that I'm a big Elizabeth Gilbert fan, and I really love the idea that ideas are floating around. And if you know, this idea will strike you. And if you don't take up that idea that it will find someone else. Do you believe mm, that? That's so interesting. I do believe that I do believe that you really have to act on some of these instincts right away. Oftentimes, you'll have an idea for a new business or some creative spark. And this has happened to everybody, right? Six months or a year later, you didn't act on it and somebody else did it. Yeah. And it's just like, what's the difference between the two? Well, they they just did it. You know what I mean? I know it yeah. sounds like I'm simplifying it, but at the same time, like I have some friends, she was kind of floating around. She's traveled extensively throughout the world. She's like, oh, you know, I, I, I've been thinking about doing an Instagram feed with my tribe. I was like, you know, you can spend your entire life overthinking things and thinking of reasons not to do it. And I just said, you know, with this kind of stuff, like you just got to jump in, right? Like I didn't know how to do a live streaming show. I hadn't done any IG lives, but now I have like a whole crew, two people in Chicago, one person in Santa Clarita doing my show with me every Sunday. And we figured out how to have guests. We figured out how to do top down cameras. We figured out how to do video backdrops. So it looks like I'm running through the olive fields of Spain. So <laughs> I think this is how we just continue to grow as humans. And it's okay if you're afraid. Again, ask for help. And it's yeah, okay and if don't you let it fall stop down. You. Yeah. Yes. And also, were you ever afflicted with perfectionism? Or were you always of the opinion, let's just go and figure it out as we go along? Was that never an issue for you? I'm a little bit of both. I think that mainly came from, well, my mother was a perfectionist, but also working at Disney, like having Disney training very early in my career. I think that I have very, you know, high standards for myself. I think that I'm more of an overachiever than I am a perfectionist. Oh, okay. So sometimes, you know, I, I just, I have a hard time saying no, mm -hmm. but then I also feel like the more I do, the more I do, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. 
It's a I, muscle, right? It's the more you flex the muscle and the more you build the muscle, the more you're able to, to go. Right. I'm so used to operating at this insane level ever since I really left the studio world that, you know, if things start to slow down, I start feeling real uncomfortable. So then I just, I think of something new to do, you know, that's just how I'm wired. And, I, you know, I decided to stop apologizing for it because people, I talked to another friend about this who's like me, like occasionally someone will be like, you do too much. <laughs> and I'm like, F you. Like, you know what? Nobody asked you to do too much. And I think that's a lot of people's own insecurities coming mm-hmm. through. Because they see it and they don't understand it. They just mm-hmm. like don't understand the life. I've, I chose it. I don't complain. I like it this way. You know what I mean? Right. So, but there's a difference between feeling fulfilled with lots of things that are exciting you and gratifying. It's just that, it's that air, gray area of like, oh. Why did I say yes? I don't have to, you know, like, <laughs> oh. so I'm working on more of the say no, if it's not going to bring you gratification. But I also think like, you know, I wanted to ask you this question, like, why is it so important to follow your passion? And don't you think that by doing that, you're kind of running to something as opposed to being busy to avoid things? I think there's a difference there. Mm, absolutely. I think you're absolutely right. So I think you really have to listen to those voices in the back of your head and in your heart to really prioritize, like you said. But it's it's not just hash, it's the things that will make you grow that are hard. Mm, it's a welcoming challenge. Yeah, so perfect example of that for me is I'm working on a one-woman show and I've been in a master class for the last six months and it has been really hard, I have to say. I mean, I've done a lot of writing. I performed pieces here and there, but this is like a lot, this is like a 60-minute show. And so I, I found love myself, this. I'll invite I love you. This. Yes, invite please. You. But it's, it really is very hard because I didn't study writing. I don't have an MFA. I'm not an but expert. You're a natural writer though. Well, thank you for That's saying that. That's what I, I but, mean, I, I'm sure you've been working on it a lot. You've written, you know, this is what your fifth cookbook? Yes, but it's different. It's different. Yeah. Like, no, but you know, you, like when I read your story on your website, I was immediately connected to you. I immediately picked up on your passion and your energy and your personality. It was a very well-told story. I can't wait to see it. Do you, do you want to hear the title? Of course. I want to no, know I everything. I, I want to do a one-woman show. You should. I'll totally hook you up with my teacher. So um, <laughs> the title, no one really knows this yet except for my husband. It's called Holy Shiitake, A Walk Star is Born. <laughs> So back to like the process and, you know, following dramatic structure, like I've had to learn a lot and you really have to dig deep and find out like, what are your, it's called a dark night of your soul, right? You have to like yeah. really dig deeper, all that stuff. I kept avoiding it because it was hard. It was hard. And I, so I started taking on all these other crazy things. Like, why am I doing that? Because I'm avoiding the other thing. In the beginning, mm. it started out, my house got really clean. I'm still waiting on. for that to kick in at my house that has not happened <laughs> well it sounds like you have a baby well, I have a four-year-old I have a toddler so let's oh, blame that oh my gosh oh <laughs> oh my goodness so and then you know I finally forced myself closed the door sat there for five hours and then it felt so much better 
But listen, I haven't performed it yet, but I'm going to feel so great that I conquered something that scared me so much because I think that's when you feel the most alive. Yeah, I mean, I had a whole conversation on one of the podcast episodes where we were talking about fear and how chasing fear can sometimes be the thing that leads you on the most exciting adventure. And if you avoid fear your whole life and don't do the things that scare you, you're really missing out. And don't you find now like you've done this one big scary thing now you feel stronger to do that other thing that's in the back of your mind that seems so crazy well right you start realizing that anything is possible yes and everything's relative right right so once you hit one thing you know you like accomplish that thing that and I think it's important to look at everything as a mountain right but don't look at the top because that's where it gets scary but if Mm. you can just small steps let's just go up the next three ridges and then the next three ridges and the next three ridges. That's, you know, I think the healthiest way to approach these kinds of things instead of like shutting down because the whole thing seems so overwhelming. But it's really, you know, the first step is the hardest one and the most important one. But once you make the first step, then you just you just have to keep walking. Yeah. Um, also, you know, this whole idea of feeling vulnerable, I think uh, they go hand in hand, right? Because if you jump into something that makes you afraid, you're feeling vulnerable, but you know, vulnerability is where you find all your strength. And when you show that to other people, that's where you actually can relate to them and they can relate to you. So I think the more vulnerable you are to the world. And I think at least for me, once I turn 50, I just don't care. Like I just don't give a shit what people think. Right. (laughs) And I also think that by not, and uh, really exposing my flaws and the mistakes that I've made in my life can maybe help somebody else. Right. Yeah. Let's hear about your book. Give us the title and then why this book and why now? Your questions questions that you said are necessary before you write a book. Yes. Well, it's called Katie Chen's Global Family Cookbook. It's my fifth cookbook. All of my cookbooks before this one were Asian, and that's really my brand, like modern, accessible Asian cooking uh, for the everyday home cook. So I was given the opportunity to sort of expand my brand with this book with over 170 globally inspired recipes. And I was just so excited because A, I have now 13-year-old twins. They just turned 13. I've seen their palates evolve since they were young children. Kids today have grown up watching the Food Network and Top Chef. They're really into food. Children today are pretty sophisticated. So why not create a resource for the everyday home cook, busy families that want to be able to recreate some of those delicious international flavors, but at home easily with most ingredients that you can find at the regular grocery store. Plus in it, I also have four entertaining occasions, cultural celebrations, including Greek Easter with Debbie Matinopoulos. She was the host of Home and Family Show. She was also on The View many years ago. Also Lunar New Year with Jeannie Mai. She's a host on the show The Real and her mom. She's featured in the Lunar New Year section. There's also Hanukkah. We're in a blended family. Uh, my husband's Jewish. We just had our B'nai Mitzvah for our twins. So uh, we have a section on a Hanukkah featuring Nate Berkus and Jeremiah Brent and the renowned Jewish food writer Faye Levy. And last but not least, a Cinco de Mayo section with uh, Jeffrey Saad. He was Next Food Network star and he had a show on Cooking Channel as well. So the one thing we all have in common is loving to eat. <laughs> and I just really wanted to create a book to celebrate diversity and inclusion and everybody coming together, regardless of your color of your skin, your social background, your class to, you know what, let's just try to 
understand each other through food and the celebration of food. I love that. I just want to talk a little bit about, you've met so many celebrities. I mean, it started with Sean Connery and Robert Redford. I was massively obsessed with Cindy Lauper, and I just want to know what it was like being around her. Uh, she was awesome. I was hired to cater a fundraiser for one of her nonprofits, and it was actually, I believe it was for Glad. But anyway, she was really lovely like super friendly so complimentary and just really fun to be around um, and then she's just like is there enough wine are you sure there's enough wine like, <laughs> she just seemed like you know like a fun girlfriend yeah she was great and I'm such a about, huge fan oh my god I love her so much what about that family living in the White House the Obamas what oh, was them. that like oh them um oh my um, gosh well, what <laughs> That was, God, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, obviously. Yeah. But I happened to be representing City of Hope, which is leading cancer research hospital in Georgia, California at the time. And so they pitched me to attend the annual Easter egg roll on behalf of the organization and talk about their uh, superfoods initiative. I was so nervous. I was able to bring my family, which was awesome. They didn't, my, my family didn't get to actually meet them. First of all, all the talent that's at the Easter egg roll, they are allowed to meet the family. And, you know, you're all in a line with the Secret Service. They take your phones away and everything. And it was right after Michelle decided to cut her bangs and have bangs. So I was like, my the thing I was going to say to Michelle was like, I just love your bangs. That's what I was going to say. So we walk in and like the whole family's there, including the dog. And so I don't even know. They were like, oh, hi, Katie Chin. And what I said was this. I have no idea what I said. So anyway, I didn't, didn't even get to ask, say the thing about the bangs. But anyway, we, you know, take the picture. They're like, you know, give me a hug. Give me a hug. And they're, they're both so tall. Oh, my God. I felt like a midget. So they were like, give me a hug. So warm, so sweet. And then they were just like, you go cook it off, girl. You go cook it off. I wanted to ask you about Iron Chef. Do you have any funny behind the scenes moments? Well, you know, you have to sign a non-disclosure agreement oh. so they don't um, sue you for a million dollars but uh, it I was a really fun experience and it was stressful you know while I was doing it sure. but uh, I did learn a lot of tricks from my one of the co-judges and I also realized like you just have to be super honest too so I did right. at one point feel like I was holding back and I could kind of feel the pressure you know that I should be more forthcoming and then I remember telling one of the chefs that he had dry fish I felt so oh, bad. No. I oh, felt no. so bad. But, but I could... it's not easy, I would imagine, being one of those judges because you have to do your job, but you don't want to break people's hearts, especially when you're a natural cheerleader for people. Yes, yes. But it's TV. That's what you have to also remember. Sure. That's true. I'm just, uh, I love, love, love chatting with you. Oh, me you, too. You me energize too. me. Oh, God. You're like a well, boost. I feel like listen it's such a privilege you know some of my friends have not loved turning 50 I'm 56 but it's such a privilege to make it this far you know what I mean like what's the I alternative agree. you I know agree. what I mean so we have to just try to live each you know and we're all human we have some shitty days some great days but at the same time it's like sometimes like I'm just like in a funk I'm like what really like what if this was my last day on earth do I want to spend it 
with this attitude. Wow. Right. You know, and it's not always easy to turn it off. Like, oh, okay, now I'm going to be in a good mood. (laughs) But listen, for those of us, you know, of a certain age, it's also important to seek help, find the tools. Like part of this game night thing is a big conversation has been menopause. Like, oh my God, I'm not sleeping. (laughs) I feel like crap, you know, and we're all helping each other out. So learning to find the tools necessary, whether it's hormone replacement therapy or just, you know, homeopathic. I have now this long list of all these natural supplements, but my friends are like, it's going to help you trust me. So, and just, you know, taking the advice and acting on it too. I feel like your game night should be a book. Well, we're called the game night goddesses. Yeah. To me, that's a book. I like that. Tell Jyoti. I will. She has nothing to do. She has nothing going on. I'm sure she can just add right book to her list of, uh, you know, produce all the movies. Right. She always (laughs) has so many great ideas and, you know, ways to make something happen. Yeah. Thank you. I love that idea. A lot of people are still feeling lost because of what happened and their sense of identity. Maybe they lost their job. They're still forced to pivot. Maybe their friends moved away. Like who knows? I do think that it could provide some inspiration to others for sure. not love this woman. Her energy is infectious. I'm so impressed. I'm so inspired. Her energy, her attitude, and her ability to juggle so much is just amazing. My big takeaways from our chat are to honor your friendships and be a cheerleader and don't expect anything back. Keep doing the things that scare you so you can grow and evolve. And if you have a crazy idea, who cares? Go for it. You never know where it will lead. Figure out as you go along what you're doing and take baby steps as you go up the mountain. I really love when she said it's so important to laugh at yourself and be vulnerable because that's how you find connection and it can be where you find your greatest strength. I found that really beautiful and I definitely have experienced that in my own life. If you're still feeling lost during this strange time, make sure you ask for help. Reach out start a game night with new friends and see what happens. I love that they grew their group from four to 30 women. And now these 30 women are all supporting each other. I still think it should be a book. (laughs) We'll see what happens with that. Thank you all so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it on your social media. Please pass it on to your friends. You never know who it will help or inspire or just cheer up that day. And please hit subscribe. I have more exciting guests coming and I can't wait for you to hear those stories. So stay tuned. Ciao.